Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing from the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple on the other side of the country in New York City, Manhattan. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian. How are you today, Adrian? I'm fine, thank you. It's warm here. How warm is it? Is, is it there? Uh, you might have a speed because you got a lot of humidity down there. I walked outside. It's only about, I don't even think it's 80, but, you know, oh, we've been having 100-degree weather down here, so I don't know. We're just having yeah, a break. Yeah, and all the fires. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we are coming to you live 24-7 on demand on 25 global audio and video platforms, and some of them just include iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook Live, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, and 20 more platforms all around the world. And we do uh, have an exciting guest for you today, which I'll share in a second. And we're, we are so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM. And one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcast out of thousands on caregiver podcasts, thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we do have an exciting show. Larry... Uh, let me see. How do I pronounce his name? Nissenson. Is that right? So, you were so close. So close. Nissenson? Nissenson. Nissenson. That's right even nicer. There. I'm just going to change the spelling of your of your name and put a C in there instead of a S. Now it's all K. All right. <laughs> Larry Nissenson. And Larry's Senior Vice President, Chief Commercial Officer of Genworth, U.S. Life Insurance Segment, including Care Scout, registered trademark, caregiver support services, and innovative program designed to provide expert guidance and personal support for those struggling to find the right help for their loved one. And I know that sounds pretty complicated, but we'll break it down for you. Before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Maria Tanaska, psychologist, as soon as she gets her bachelor's degree, that is, very soon. <laughs> Talking to us about uh, extensive her extensive knowledge about dementia. Very good show. You can watch or listen to that show and all our shows, including this one, on our website, caregiverdave.com, membership website, I might add, uh, or any of the other 25 global audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Our guest today, Larry. As America continues to battle the coronavirus pandemic, the economic, health care, and personal challenges surrounding our nation's already serious family caregiver crisis have intensified significantly. Now more than ever, our 42 million family caregivers are struggling to cope with the emotional, physical, and financial challenges posed by caring for aging and loved ones, uh, especially the 6 in 10 caregivers who also work. Believe that, uh, Adrian, that 6 in 10 caregivers still are, are hitting a 9-to-5 job. Hopefully they're working at home. home. Some of them working at home. You know, especially now, yeah. Um, so they're trying to create a new caregiver career crisis. 
I don't think yes. they're trying to create a new one. I think it's already happened. Well, them. the present. Yes. So, Larry, welcome to the show. So excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I really appreciate spending some time with you and Adrian. It's fantastic. Hey, the pleasure is ours. Remind me how we met and how it is that you're on this show. <laughs> well, we uh, we met by fate of a hurricane. No, I, we did not meet by fate of a hurricane, <laughs> although we were delayed by fate of a hurricane. We, um, Genworth and Care Scout, which in are Jersey, linked. Right? From, I am a Jersey guy. I uh, spent my whole life here. And... Uh, we are compadres, if you will, I guess, in the sense of the caregiving crisis. We, Genworth, our mission has always been around helping people figure out the financing of aging. Uh, care Scout is a care advocacy company, and we met along that journey. And fortunately, uh, our paths crossed, and I have an opportunity to talk to you about something that is near and dear to all three of our hearts, and obviously uh, your listeners' hearts. You know, I just got back from the CNN Center in uh, Atlanta, right in the middle of, you know, the aftermath of their riots and, and the COVID-19. Everybody says, what, are you crazy? He says, you know, i got to go. It's an essential medical conference. I'm going to share the stage with Dr. Roz, Dr. Drew, Dr. Mark Siegel of Fox News, uh, Dr. Jocelyn Elders, the 15th uh, Surgeon General from Bill Clinton's administration. And we had some bonuses. We met... Uh, uh, the fighter whose ear got bitten off by uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Merryweather. Holyfield. Mary, Holyfield, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> My mind just went blank there for a moment. How can I forget? Um, How did the ear look, just out of curiosity? It looked good? It was just a t little tiny piece missing. And I asked him if he, if he was still upset about it. And he smiled and he said, <laughs> I don't like to talk about that. Uh -huh. <laughs> Tyson's fighting again. Very beautiful wife, looked like his daughter, which mm. he loved that compliment. And we also met uh, a prize fighter, a female prize fighter, who is very intelligent, has a master's degree. And God, who else did we meet? We were supposed to meet, um, well, hey, this show isn't about me. Let's keep it about you. <laughs> But I, the main reason I'm telling you all of that is because you know it was a it was a meeting about uh, COVID and caregiving and and uh, suicide, depression, just all those things, and um, I, I'm just so grateful that it really changed my life uh, meeting those people. Dr. Mark Siegel liked my book so much, I had an opportunity to share it. And he thumbed through it. And he says, "Wow, yeah, he's going to be on my show, and I'm going to be on his show. So he'll be on uh, September 15th, April, April, Adrian." Yeah. You, you know, I'm still fuzzy yeah, from my the mother called medication. Me, yeah. My mother called me Arlene. Call me whatever you want. <laughs> Don't call me late for dinner. Okay. So uh, before we begin the questions, I like to ask everybody, who just who is Larry Nysenson, and why was he put on this earth? Uh, I'm sure just to be nice or, or other things. Oh, boy, isn't that a, a question that could take quite a long time, but I'm going to give you a concise answer. Concise, um, that's good. I, I am a husband, a father, a son, and a caregiver. And those are the, what I would say, are the four pillars for me that matter. Yeah, your plate's I, I, full. It, my plate is full, and I am also one of those 60 percenters who hasn't figured out a way to be a full-time caregiver and not have to go uh, to a job, although, as Adrian pointed out, these days my job is 
Uh, today, I happen to be in my living room. I was on a call earlier, and I said to people, I shake it up by going to a different room in my house most days. <laughs> today, I happen to be sitting in my living room and, and doing it from there. So is that your beautiful um, family behind you, your wife and your daughter? That is uh, my three daughters are behind me, and my, my, I have a picture of oh, my wife. Oh, three daughters. Three daughters. Look beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. What thank a lucky, you so much. lucky, blessed man you are. I am indeed, or as uh, somebody said to me, I must have led quite the youthful life to have uh, yeah. be blessed with three daughters. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? I, too, have been blessed with three daughters. Uh, they're all grown up now, and uh, yeah, we got them out of the house. We got them all married off, uh, each one twice. <laughs> <laughs> and they've given me seven grandchildren, and the day after the election, I am going to be a great grandfather. Mm. Wow! Congratulations! Congratulations. Not one of That's the older amazing. Kids, one of the yeah. Um, two two of my daughters were from a previous marriage. Uh, my wife's previous marriage, not mine, because uh, I've only been married once. And so this is actually going to be a great granddaughter from my real daughter's and her daughter's uh, womb, which is pretty significant because my oldest grandchild is. Um, uh, he should be married and have kids all, already by now, but he's like uh, 35, I think. But some kids, you know, they just like to take their time. I'd rather they took their time than just rush into it, especially with girls. Yeah, so tell us sure. briefly about your background and how long you've been in this industry. So I'm, I'm in the financial services and insurance industry for the better part of 27 or 28 years. Um, Which includes really what, done for those a variety who don't of know? Roles. I'm sorry? Which includes what for those who aren't certain what that means? I'm sure it includes long-term care. That's, it does. Uh, so it includes life insurance, long-term care, annuities, uh, variable annuities, and fixed annuities. But actually, um, because of my caregiving responsibilities, um, my eyes were open to the plight of caregivers uh, as I was, uh, I, I say enlisted, but that doesn't really make it seem as if uh, I joined voluntarily, which most caregivers don't, right? They're enlisted. They're thrust into the role. And yeah. um, that brought me into the long-term care side of it. It's not where I started in the business, but it is where I, I have found the most fulfilling work for sure mm -hmm. around helping others figure out this dilemma of being a mm -hmm. family caregiver and the myriad of unbelievable weighty choices that they have to make. Um, which led us into this caregiving opportunity that we're sort of here to talk through. Yeah. Adrian, uh, from your experience, do a lot of your caregivers, because Adrian has a, a website like mine, only much bigger, <laughs> um, do a lot of caregivers have all that stuff, life insurance, long-term care? Uh, uh, you Most know. of them can't afford any. How sad. I do. Well, I got I got yes. a long-term policy. I wanted a long-term policy when I turned 40, and Steve was totally against it. So it was really one of the first things that I took care of once You had to wait till away. he died before you got yours. And so the <clears throat> rates were really higher. Yeah, so you shouldn't always <laughs> listen to your husband because sometimes no. he's wrong. <clears throat> so what yeah. do you say, Larry, about the people who really, really need it and really, really can't afford it. Is is there an answer for them? I mean, are there things they can do, or are they I mean, out of luck? No. Well, first of all, they're never out of luck. 
right? The answer out of luck is never really the right answer. I guess at some point you're out of luck, but there are, fortunately we live in a world, right? Where innovation is a driver of opportunity. And uh, especially in the life insurance and the long-term care insurance space, even for those that have um, relatively modest incomes, there is a there is a policy out there for you. Fortunately, most employers these days also offer through their through their voluntary benefits group long term care or group life insurance policies, and those policies mm. really even if. You know, they talk about final expense life insurance policies really as as those policies that are meant to just help your family take care of your own final expenses. You can you can get policies like that for very modest amounts in long term care, though. What I would say to caregivers is um, the old idea and Adrian, maybe when you were uh, originally looking at long term care insurance and certainly when my parents purchased their long term care insurance. The idea was that you were going to cover the entire risk. You were going to look at how much long-term care in, uh, incident was going to cost, and then you'd buy a policy that took care of that whole thing. That's not really the way we view it anymore, right? right? Family caregiving, most people want to age in place at home when they can, and yes. they want to rely on family for the initial stages of it. And the policies that are sold today really most of them work in conjunction with the family caregiver so they allow the family to help out a little bit and then when they need to bring in some professional support when they need to perhaps take somebody to uh into a a facility because they require more care then they use those policies um to help defer the cost notice i didn't say to pay for it it's really meant these days to help defer the cost and hopefully people have either saved on their own or they've gotten to a position where their assets can't cover it and some of the governmental programs can step in and help them there. I I have a, uh, I, go ahead. I just wanted to know what you mean by defer the cost. So if the average long-term care event, I live in, as I said, in New Jersey, um, mm-hmm. and the average long-term care event, which Seven out of 10 people over the age of 65 are going to have a long-term care event where they're going to need help, right? Right. The average average cost is about $275,000 is what that care would cost if they were to hire somebody to come in. Most people don't have $275,000 laying around under a rock waiting, right? (laughs) So the question becomes, if you can't, get an insurance policy to pay for all $275,000 and you don't have $275,000 of your own, your alternative is to say, well, if I could buy an insurance policy that maybe would cover $100,000 of that risk, I can use my family or a loved one initially to help in the early stages of care when when the care might be something that is managed in a family care situation. And then when it really requires uh, much more significant help, either because I need professional nursing or I need to go into a facility, then they can use that long-term care insurance policy to help pay for those costs. So they use sort of a blend of their own family and loved ones and then a policy that kicks in. 
it's it's for those that can't afford everything you should at least put something in place is what we say let me ask you a question because this comes up every time we talk about long-term care and i fortunately have a policy right in front of me um i isn't that easy yes i bought it when i was 49 years old okay which was pretty good rates um I, and i'm still paying only 15 percent more than i did uh 15 years ago because I'm 66. I hope we did the math right. So, and I joke around, but I'm serious. I mean, I, I don't want to go to a nursing home. And maybe I just want to go on a year-long cruise year after year after year. I have a $438,000 maximum lifetime benefit. Daily home and adult daycare benefit is $400 a day. I'm assuming that what that means. And daily facility uh, benefit is 400. Are they saying that they would, if I went into a facility, they would pay 400 a day? And if I had someone come into my home, they would pay 400 a day? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm just listening to your description, but that's what yeah. it sounds like, uh -huh. right? That you, that the maximum yeah, 30 day elimination that, period. Right. But, so right. you're going to pay the, you pay the first 30 days yourself. And then that policy, in your case, irrespective of where you wanted to have care, whether it was at home, an assisted living facility, a nursing home, or some variation in between. What about perhaps the cruise? The cruise is an interesting question, right? If you were, if you had the food's failed, better, the entertainment is there. The and, entertainment uh, for sure is there. You know, um, as long as I don't need a nurse to, to, you know, watch over me, how much of this policy will help me go on that cruise and for a year, instead of spending a year of my life in a nursing home or in my home uh, with somebody caring for me. Well, depending on what that policy says, I don't have the language in front of me, but in theory, if you are mobile enough, right, where you did you, to satisfy it, most long-term well, care policies, right, are the two of six activities of daily living. So you would need help with two of six, let's say. Mm-hmm. And if you could then do those two of six, but get on a cruise ship, you have something that says it's going to give you $400 a day. Right? And what That's are the what... six again? So um, can you get out of bed? Can you shower? Can you dress yourself? Are you continent? Can you feed yourself? Feed yourself. Those are the six. So if you said, I'm in a wheelchair, so I can't transfer, which is one of them, right? I can't get out of bed. I can't transfer, and I need help eating, let's say. That would satisfy two of the six. And according to your wishes and perhaps that policy, they would. you could go on your cruise and listen to bad comics, eat great food, <laughs> and uh, have a couple of drinks on the insurance company. That's what it sounds like. Subject to whatever the exclusions are in your policy, which I certainly but, don't know. Yeah, this is just the uh, the cover sheet. I'd have to read all the fine print where, uh, you know, the cover sheet giveth and the fine print taketh away, right? Is that what they say? That is the insurance business, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about National Alliance Caregiving, the National Alliance Caregiving Study uh, done in conjunction with AARP. What are the main findings that they discovered? So, I mean, the main findings are not going to be a surprise to you. The, uh, the National Alliance of Caregiving has been doing this study since 1987, and it looks at family and unpaid caregivers, right? It says that there are, and we're going to talk about it through two lenses. We'll talk about it 
through the normal pre-COVID lens, which says that there are somewhere in the mid 40 million unpaid caregivers, right? And those unpaid caregivers are, to Adrian's point, getting up and going to work, maybe in their living room or maybe they're going out to work. And in the balance, they're trying to take care of their loved ones. And they have in, in that dual job, all sorts of a myriad of health-related issues, financial issues. The average caregiver spends over $10,000 a year out of their own pocket on providing care to their loved ones, right? They're under tremendous pressure. So their health-related risks are significant. Things like, you know, cardiac issues and diabetes and all of the poor health associated with, um, with stress-induced illness affects right. caregivers greater than the than a general population but the scary thing about it is that this is true about this 40 million to 50 million but during covid so genworth uh, did a covid 19 caregiver study at the end of may where we interviewed caregivers for the 60 days from march all of march and all of april right and we we analyzed caregiving, we did some research, and what we found is it really isn't during COVID-19 40 million, it's not 50 million. It was one out of every three people we interviewed find themselves as an emergent unpaid caregiver. Many of those are obviously the 40 million we know about, but there's an additional 50 to 60 million people who That's found right. themselves as, you know, they sent kids home from school, in the part of the country that uh, I live in, um, today, there was a, a study that came out earlier this week that said 48% of all of the deaths in New Jersey occurred in long-term care facilities. So if you had your, if you had a loved one in a long-term care facility, you likely, if you could, brought them home to live with you or brought them out of an assisted living facility. There were all of these emergent caregivers and the Caregiver Alliance survey doesn't even really look at those implications. It looks only at the normal caregivers um, and, and what do they give up in long-term uh, care uh, management for their loved ones. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. Hold that question then right we'll down so you don't forget it. I'll hold anything. my question. Hold your question. It's like having to hold your bladder because you're going to the bathroom or something. <laughs> I don't know where some of this stuff comes from. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first 
Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. I mean, my father was an insurance broker, as was my mother, and um, they got, they're both well past. I mean, mean, my mother died in 2004, so they got long-term care early, and they watched all their friends who didn't listen, <laughs> you know, who, when they were still healthy, they didn't get it. So, anyway, it's... are we ready for my question, Dave? Uh, yes, and after that, we've got a question online. We've got many, many people watching online. It must be a holiday. Oh, really? Or That's wonderful. Yes. I, I just want to know, um, we're, we're talking about long-term care for the patient or long-term care for the person who's doing the caregiving? Probably too late for the patient. Well, that's the it, question is what state of health does the person have to be in in order to get the policy? So it's a great question, right? And we're talking, I guess, in essence about both, right? If the care recipient was fortunate enough and had the foresight to think about it when they were healthier and bought a policy, that's actually, we, Genworth is a leading writer of long-term care policies, and we right. have about 1.2 million policyholders who mm-hmm. took a policy out. And when they go on claim and they have their family caregiver, like Dave, who's going to take a cruise, right? They have the ability to have to have the insurance policy pay for their care. They can still age at home, right? They can still decide to use a family caregiver. They can receive the care however they want, but they have they don't have to drain their entire bank account to cover that cost. Mm-hmm. For the what's interesting is for the caregiver, right? Who's providing this unpaid service? We happen to know that um, the journey of care awareness, right? So understanding that your own sort of healthy needs and that you're going to ultimately likely need a long-term care insurance policy, the from awareness to purchase is generally about seven years from the time somebody starts to think about it till when they purchase a policy. Mm -hmm. And what is always the impetus, and I say always, it's, you shouldn't really talk in absolutes, but in our case, it's almost always, is that they have or watch somebody go through a caregiving or care recipient moment, right? Either their loved one falls victim and falls ill and needs something, and they realize that they don't have a policy to pay for that. Right? Right. Most people think their own health insurance is going to pay for a long-term care, and it's a mis- it's a misnomer. It doesn't. <laughs> it, as we all know, it pays for part of it. It pays for the health-related cost, but it doesn't pay for things like a modification to your house. It doesn't pay to get an unskilled nurse in, right? Not skilled nurse if you need skilled nursing, but an, mm-hmm. an attendant, somebody to help you in your daily living. Unless it's health-related, that's on you. And so most people who purchase a long-term care insurance have watched somebody go through that and realize that they haven't protected themselves from it. Mm -hmm. And then they start to really look at long-term care insurance 
as a way to prevent their child or their loved one or their spouse from being forced into an unpaid caregiving need uh, situation. Rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's a question. Um, not sure if I understand it, but I'll just read it the way it read is. It. Maybe you can. Uh, <laughs> it's Dave, I'd like to ask you if there's any way to find out the total monetary loss and time lost during of caregivers and the amount of loss of stamina by the people who we are caring for. Just wondering if there's a total loss spectrum available, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense? I'm not sure I'm going to I asked her to elaborate, but she hasn't done it yet. Not to me. (laughs) So I'm going to share some costs. I don't know that this will get at it, but maybe we'll get some clarification around it. So Genworth uh, sponsors a study called Beyond Dollars, where we look at lost productivity in the workforce. So one of the other features that came out of the National Caregiving Alliance is the number of caregivers, and and Adrian referred to it, the number of caregivers who are still working and in the workforce. And uh, Genworth sponsors a study that looks at lost productivity. So we go to employers and say, here's what it costs you to have unpaid caregivers in your workforce. And we do it because we're offering this new benefit around caregiver services, and we want the companies to understand the value of it. And mm-hmm. so when we look at lost productivity, and we measure that by absenteeism, how many employee, how many employees unexpectedly absent, and maybe they're on shift work and that matters, right? Maybe they're uh, nurses or doctors and they're taking off from work or they work on a factory floor and that's a real actual loss, right? We calculate things like additional healthcare costs. How much does it cost an employer to provide health care for a caregiver who we said is already under more stress. What's the actual cost of those things? And when we put all of those costs together, the lost productivity to the U.S. economy per year is $25.8 billion of lost productivity. And of that 25.8, it's an amazing number, of that 25.8, billion. So let's call it just about half, right? We'll use Mm -hmm. the squiggly line and call it just about half, is actually calculable increased healthcare costs on employers to provide those healthcare. So it doesn't necessarily get at the answer maybe uh, your listener was looking for, but it does peg a dollar amount to the cost of unpaid caregiving on the U.S. economy, and it's a staggering number. Here's the clarification. The people I used to take care of, and now I can't because of COVID-19, have lost so much stamina, uh, I'm, I'm assuming because he's not being cared for, and in many cases can't walk as much as they used to or have the lost muscle tone and a lot of uh, interest in exercising and continuing mm-hmm. because their caregivers are not around. I'm not trying to figure out an estimated loss in this type of thing, um, but also financially, how much was lost as caregivers can't work. So I'm assuming this is a paid caregiver as opposed to an unpaid family caregiver. Is there any research on, uh, because, right, caregiving, I would assume, is an essential service, but not if the nursing uh care is shut down and, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, infection going on and 
and now caregivers can't even come and do their job, right? That, that is for sure true, and I think it's. Think I believe it. ultimately they'll get hmm. to uh, they'll be able to calculate that. There was an article I read uh, earlier in the week that talked about the number of layoffs expected in some of the caregiving facilities in these long-term hmm. care facilities as people don't want to trust their loved ones into a facility right now, right? They're mm-hmm. afraid of, right. of the ongoing. And so at some point they will calculate that. We haven't seen any studies and it's too early for us to probably assess that, but there's no question anecdotally that we hear it and we see it. We already face a paid caregiver dilemma in this country anyway. We're, we lose um, somewhere around a million paid caregivers a year not because of COVID. That has nothing to do with COVID. That has to do with change of profession. It happens, unfortunately, to be one of the lowest paid um, Mm -hmm. uh, workers. And if you think about what is required of a caregiver, the physical toll, the emotional toll, that they could earn a similar hourly rate as a fast food worker or Mm. at some other task at at an attendant in a hotel, Many caregivers leave the workforce anyway, and they've not ever been able to calculate that. But that, by the way, is what adds to the family caregiver pressure, right? Not only is it that family caregivers may not have the means to pay somebody, but even if they have the means, they may not be able to find a paid caregiver that's willing to come in and take care of them for whatever they can afford. Right. And if for you are, whatever reason. And for whatever reason. Absolutely. Because some sometimes just finding the right fit for the for the paid caregiver is a major thing. I know with yeah. my mother it was you know, personality conflict after personality conflict. And <laughs> and that's you know, my the my daughter's the only person that can take care of me. I don't want a professional I don't want a paid caregiver. Yeah. And, and in many cases, right, we, we look at, at, at that, you look at that 48 million uh, caregivers, right, unpaid caregivers, they're not all spouses. And, and Adrian, you hit on something that was really, it's an important aspect of it, which is that 25% of those unpaid caregivers are millennials. These are people who are in the sort of the beginning of their career, right? They're in the beginning of life, and now they have this responsibility in many ways to take care of a parent or an aging uncle or aunt or neighbor. And some of them want to do that. And for those that that want to and feel an, a, an obligation to do it, that's great. And who would we do? Look, I'm an unpaid family caregiver myself. I know the rewarding nature of it. And the, mm-hmm. at times it's the stress of it also. But for those that do it because they want to, that's different than those that do it because there is no alternative, mm-hmm. right? And that's really where it becomes super challenging is when you have no choice but to do it. Um, yeah. Whenever the conversation mm-hmm. comes up about people not being able to afford this or that, I always recommend uh, Dr. Camille Superson's uh, manual, Essential Resource Guide for Caregivers, and save time, save money, save your sanity, and there's a lot of free stuff um, where she tells you how to get free stuff, government money. I mean, everyone's given out money for caregivers. You just have to know where to get it, you know. 
VA has offered lots of benefits to even the spouse of a caregiver if, if the veteran is, is deceased. County, uh, Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid rather, and um, local, state, um, and just so many different places. And so I highly recommend her book. Her name is Camille, C-A-M-I-L-L-E, Supersun, S-U-P-S-O-N.com. And I think she gives you a bonus uh, if you buy it online. And that's an unpaid <laughs> commercial, but uh, you yeah. know, the book is just very, very it's valuable. She's been on the show three girls, times. Yeah. We've never had anybody on the show three times. But she comes up. I, I have to tell you, you stumbled into, uh, when you talk about the services that are available out there, there are a plethora of services, right? Well, you but know about people, them also. I, I do, but people mm. don't know. This is the whole issue around family caregiving that led us uh, and – led us to the Care Scout uh, support services program that we uh, envisioned. Care Scout's a company of January. It's been in business for 20 years, and they're care advocates. That's what they do. They are. Um, they were formed in an empathetic way around care advocacy. Mm -hmm. They are case managers. They're uh, amazing people who do amazing work helping caregivers figure it out. And what we hear in this, because when they do a care plan, right, so they – We'll meet with a caregiver. They'll understand their circumstance, what brings them to us today. They do an intake much the way a clinician would do an intake if they were going into a facility. Right. And we start to go to work for them, right? And we, we sort of solve their dilemma, if you will. But the reason I bring that up is because, Dave, you're, what we hear is when they give them back this customized report that says, you came to us because your mother needed care or your loved one needed mm -hmm. care. You didn't know what to do or how to find somebody. And here are the choices that are out there. Here's what's available in your area. Part of that report out to them is, oh, you told us that your mother or father was a veteran. Here's what's available through the VA. Mm -hmm. You said that you lived in Suffolk County, New York. And in Suffolk County, this is what they have available for senior citizens in this income range. And this is what New York State has or New Jersey has. And based on what you told us, your loved one qualifies for it. And here's the way you go about getting those services, right? And the relief that comes over the caregiver when we not just tell them about the answer, but when they <laughs> realize what's available to help mm -hmm. them that they never would have known on their own. So that's you're right. absolutely right. And that's that why they need to listen to this show. <laughs> sure. It's, it's, it, it's wonderful when you can bring somebody to it, right, and show them the, right. the, the, the great way to solve this incredible dilemma. Yeah. Well, let's take another break real fast because uh, time is just whizzing away. We'll be right back. Don't go away. <laughs> we are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. 
You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with Caregiver Dave, the Caregiver Dave Show, with my guest, Larry Nysenson, and my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, from the caregiverspace.org. <laughs> so, what? What's so funny, Adrian? <laughs> well, just that you put the dot org on there. <laughs> well, that gives them an address to yeah, go to. Yeah, address to go to. Sure. Because you know they're going to try dot uh, com. <laughs> All right. What other? Uh, you know, there's a lot of consequences of being a family caregiver. I think we've spoken about most of them. But how about the top five consequences? Uh, of being a family caregiver, just for those that may not even realize that they're going through something, but we're about to put a little more on their plate. The top five, there are, I mean, it's hard to narrow it down, but I'll give you the ones that jump out at the, the worst. top of my head. The ones the, that kill you, because 30% of caregivers right. die from the stress. Well, that's the first thing, is poor <laughs> health, right? We know that poor health of caregivers, not only is it a crisis, it's a double crisis because they often are unable at some point to take care of the care recipient, which is what started the whole journey, right? <laughs> so now it's even now more. They can't even take care of themselves now. Yes. So poor health. And I would say second to that, and it's a leader of poor health, is that they are terrible at taking care of themselves, right? They are isolated. They feel alone. They don't know who to call and what to do, and they do not take care of themselves the way they should. They don't step away. They don't ask for help, even though in every study you'll ever read, right, unless you are truly an isolated caregiver, which I guess there are some out there, people want to help. They just have to ask. So poor health, poor health. The job consequence for most of these unpaid caregivers is significant loss of income. Over a third of them report having missed work. Over 60% say their finances have been impacted. And over half of them have asked and said to their employers, I'm a family caregiver, but they haven't had an answer for it. So they're financially impacted and they feel like they're getting no help from work, right? So that leads to this isolation piece of it. Um, those are the things that jump out at me um, as significant. And the thing that I tell most of the caregivers I speak to is, please take care of yourself. That is the most important thing you can do. It's not selfish on your part to step away. And I'm sure yes. you both have lots to add on that subject as well. Yes. There's... Um... I just lost what I was going to say. <laughs> Never mind. I'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, the person with that question uh, actually was a guest on my show, Eli Kershaw. He wrote the book, um, uh, If I Should Die yes. Before I Wake. 
though um, I think he was on last week or the week before. Um, what are some tips or techniques for caregivers to help them sustain their careers during caregiving challenges? Yeah, I have to tell you that this is, if you're going to be an unpaid caregiver and you're going to try and figure it out, one of the upsides, and it's terrible to use, or maybe it's the first time we'll use upside and COVID-19 in the same sentence, right? Hmm. But what I would say to caregivers <laughs> is this is your this is your moment. And I say that because employers are now understanding and bringing through an empathetic lens, how do we help our employees in caregiving situations? They're not necessarily thinking about elder care. Many times no. they're thinking about child care, but it is the moment in time for the opportunity, right? It allows the employee to put his hand up and say, I need help. And fortunately, employers are listening these days. They're listening because they realize COVID-19 isn't going away tomorrow, right? They're, wish it, uh, wish company, it would. Uh, we wish it would, but we know it's not, Dave. Genworth uh, announced recently that we were home throughout through the end of the year, right? We sent our oh, employees yeah. home to work remotely in March. We're <laughs> now saying to them, you're going to be home through the end of the year, and we're going to reassess. And it's it may likely, be permanent, won't it? It, realize how much money well. they're saving. It's, it's the real estate paying change, the rent. The number of things that are going to change are unbelievable. And that's There's so no scary for a city like New York, Adrian, because you know you've got all this office space that is now empty. That's all the, correct. The supporting businesses and restaurants. That's, I know, and, and all of these people can be working from home, and it's going to change their mentality completely. They'll some become people, isolated. Some people say yes. New York is 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 never going to. Go back to the way it was. And, Never. Uh, it was Never a great will. city. It was a great city. I don't know if you're know, read you read Seinfeld's. If you read Seinfeld's op-ed yesterday, yes, it was <laughs> an interesting op-ed. But so this is the caregivers' moment right here. Employers mm -hmm. are listening. So the answer is to put your hand up and number one, acknowledge who you are. Most employers think that when we we speak to lots of HR and CFOs around the, the chief HR officer and the CFO around the service because there's both the empathetic point of it and there's the productivity that we talked about, right? So we often meet with both of them to talk through these caregiver services. And what we hear from them often is this. That's incredible. Those statistics are amazing. But I don't have employees who tell me that they're caregivers and going through this. And I say, that's true. <laughs> you didn't ask. They keep it a you secret. You didn't ask the question. That's the right. silent majority. the question. So <laughs> now is the moment. And what we say to employers, employees is this. It's not enough to just put your hand up. You have to be willing to ask the employer for what you want, right? Go into the employer and say, this is my situation. I am a dedicated employee, right? Most employees are afraid to put their hand up because they think that the employer is going to view them as less dedicated to the job, that their attention is bifurcated. They've got a family over here they're worried about and not the job. It's not true. Employers just don't know. So go into your employer in an unemotional way, present the challenge you're facing and the solution. Come in with an idea of what you want from yes. your employer. Right. Especially if a you've plan. already been disciplined for tardies yes. or absences, performance, uh, you say they should sure. wait until, don't wait until they come to you. 
you go to them, especially if you're already in trouble. Yes, and you might already have resources available at work that you're you're unaware of. So most mm. companies these days have an EAP, right, or an employee assistance plan. Many of those plans have some caregiving services, not maybe in a way that's the most helpful, but mm -hmm. from an employer standpoint, many employers say, well, we already sort of do something for caregiving. The responsibility of those that use the service is to inform the employer whether that service is valuable or not, right? right. So part of the responsibility of the employee caregiver is to say, I know that you've made the service available and thank you for that. But really the services I need are these two or three things and this is why and this is where that service isn't meeting me in my journey. If the employer isn't going to help you, they're not going to help. There's nothing you could do about that, mm -hmm. right? You've made an argument. You're going to have to make your own decisions. But we really do find that these days many companies are, are as empathetic as they have ever been and looking for yeah. ways to keep their employees uh, engaged, satisfied, productive, because we're going to be in this movie, unfortunately, for quite yeah. some time. Mm. I mean, if you, if you go to an employer and you tell them what – their plan is missing. I mean, if they have a plan for caregivers and you tell them, this isn't working, this is really what I need and I'm not the only one that's like this. Suggestion um, box. They need to be informed by all of these other people that need that kind of help. Uh, absolutely. And they're, and they're more likely to listen now than they ever were. Yes. For sure. We find more companies surveying their employees than we've ever seen before and that is the that's an awareness issue right so now the mm. employee says at least they're asking the question let me tell them what i need but sometimes you're right the cycle from awareness to the employer putting something in place might in be place. too long for our, right might be too long for a caregiver and that's why we say go in with your own plan analyze what your company is offering and go in and say to them I, I appreciate that, but I need something more. This is what I'm looking for. Have that conversation. And Dave, you nailed it in saying, don't wait for them to come to you because you've got a performance issue. That's not the time to alert them to what might be an unusual yeah. circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've got about five minutes or less to go. Uh, what else do we need to talk about before we ask you how we can get a hold of you? So... I do want to say for those employers that might also be caregivers or for employees who are saying, I don't know how to have this conversation, they should go to carescout.com slash benefit, right? That is our employer page that puts up some of the information that we covered today. It talks about a brochure that will help you uh, speak to your employer on how to do this, you can go to genworth.com. And on genworth.com, we have a whole section on COVID and checklists and the study and all of the information that we talked about around the cost of care, how expensive it is. We are a company that while we care about <laughs> the insurance component of it, we really believe in education and awareness for consumers and helping them figure out how to finance their aging. All of these tools are available for free, and you don't need to, in most cases, register on the site to get them. It's all about education and awareness. 
Uh, and it's available again at genworth.com or carescout.com. Awesome. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Other, uh, the, the last thing I would say is not only thank you both for inviting me, but uh, <laughs> most importantly, thank you to your caregiving uh, listeners, to the family caregivers that struggle out there every day. We um, Not only do we appreciate what you do and are empathetic, and as a caregiver, I know the challenges of it. It is mm-hmm. daunting work that doesn't ever go well. In most cases, doesn't go away, and we're unbelievably appreciative of it. Uh, and thank yeah. you and thank them for everything that they're doing for their loved ones. I and want, if they need I want to thank you for saying that because when you would meet someone on the street, if you were a caregiver, the first question is, how is the person you're taking care of? Yes. They never ask, how are you? And what a good job you are doing. So the appreciation is much appreciated. It is um, <laughs> one caregiver to another, we would know to ask that question. Yes. But you're right. <laughs> it's so often about the recipient, and it, as it should be 90% of the time. Right. But we have to take care of ourselves to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, and thank you, everybody. Adrian, how do we get a hold of you if somebody wanted to check out the caregiver space? Well, it's Adrian at the caregiverspace.org. Uh, and all the social media connections are on that page, and you can find us easily. Wealth of information and the forums on Facebook are really quite informative, and people are very understanding. Yes, and if you want to check out my website, it's caregiverdave.com, and I've got three free gifts for any caregiver that goes there and just uh, signs in with their email, and these gifts will help you to get on track, stay on track. And uh, for the month of August, however many days are left, I'm offering a free coaching session by yours truly, which, of course, is priceless, uh, just to help (laughs) ascertain where you are. Are you a candidate for burnout? Is there something that, uh, you know, missing ingredient that will put you back on track? Um, You know, we don't want caregivers to feel isolated, alone, lonely, depression. I did a a talk at the CNN uh, about caregiver suicides, uh, how caregivers are uh, more susceptible to suicide, especially now during COVID-19. It's not just the the healthcare workers. It's not just the teenagers, not just the general population. It's it's caregivers. They did a study and found that uh, roughly half of the caregivers that were in the study felt down, depressed, and hopeless just within two weeks of the study. Those Mm -hmm. are the same feelings that Anthony Bourdain felt, Robin Williams, Kate Spade, and Kurt Cobain. You know, we want you to stay alive. We want you to stay out of the morgue, stay out of the hospital. But, you know, you you can only lead a horse to water. Um, we're, We're giving you the tools. We're telling you what to do. We're leading you down the road. You've got to do it. And unfortunately, we know that 30% of you won't, and that's it's what easier, breaks our hearts. It's easier not to do it alone. There are places that you can yeah. go and converse with yeah. others Yeah, it's a support now. group. My site's a support group. Her site's exactly. a support, support group. And uh, Larry is offering support as well. So that's it. Everybody, thank How you for tuning in. How do we get in. in touch with Larry? So you can find me on Twitter at L-Nisenson, L-N-I-S. E-N-S-O-N. 
You can find me at uh, my email, which is larry.nysonson at genworth.com. And you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, on all the all the professional platforms. And you can also find us uh, and me and my team through our websites as well. Okay, great. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in, and we'll see you next week, same time, same channel. So God bless you all, and bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Oh.